Is the rise of Skywalker a fitting end to the Skywalker saga? Find out in this episode of Triple Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hi, I'm Travis, and I'm joined by Tim and John Dodson. And in this episode, we're reviewing the final chapter in the Skywalker saga, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This concludes the new Star Wars films that only a few years ago we thought we'd never get. The Lucasfilm has brought us quite a bit of new Star Wars stuff since then. J.J. Uh, Abrams is back to finish what he started with The Force Awakens, and he has had his work cut out for him. But did he succeed? Let's find out. Tim, what were your thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker? Okay, so I will preface this by saying that I, I enjoyed the movie. I had fun, you know, the whole whole time that I was watching it. Uh, it is not a perfect movie, you know, not by a long shot, but really what movie is perfect. If, for me, anyways, given, you know, what we got in in this new trilogy so far, it was a acceptable end to the story. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we'll get into more details when we start getting into the spoilers, but just, uh, sure. Yeah. My, yeah. my initial impression was that it's, it, it, it was enjoyable. I had fun. And I'm not leaving like disgruntled or, you know, slightly upset or, or, or anything like that. All right, John, how about you? For me, Star Wars has always been a really big part of my life. So like I, I've mentioned before, but I saw Empire Strikes Back at the drive in when I was really little. I remember Darth Vader scaring me so much. And so when I heard Disney was going to bring it back with J.J. Abrams and then it was going to be called The Force Awakens. And I remember seeing the first trailer and then seeing the first, you know, seeing it in the theaters with my friends. Uh, Star Wars has always been a really fun part of my life. And so it's really great to head back to the theater with friends to see it. And it, honestly, I'm really sad. I'm really sad that this arc of new Star Wars is over because I've really enjoyed it. It's It's been a fun, what, six years, I guess, since six, seven years since they've rebooted this. And it's been a great, it's been a really, really good time. Um, I'm not entirely sure what I think of Rise of the Skywalker. I'm just going to be honest. And I know that's weird. And I'll explain a little bit when we get to review, when we actually get our, you know, cheerful ghost rating, I'll talk a little bit more about it. So I don't know if you're going to get a proper review from me in this episode until I can see it again and I can process it again. Um, with that, it doesn't mean I don't have thoughts about the movie. We're definitely going to talk about it. Um, for me, it's hard to talk about rise of the Skywalker or rise of Skywalker. I can't even say it right. I don't think I've ever said it right. (laughs) Probably the next I review it, I need to say it right without thinking and talking about the last Jedi. So we're going to talk more about that in spoilers, but I want to say that Rise J.J. Abrams walked into this movie with a challenge. I, I don't actually envy him 
in any way. I think he walked into this with a couple things uh, against him. And I think the first thing, uh, perhaps the hardest, is somehow Star Wars uh, properties and Disney has been really having a rough time with directors. So originally they had Colin Trevorrow on this one, and then they replaced Trevorrow with Abrams. So he came into this movie with a script that apparently wasn't working for Disney, right? And he tried to course correct that back. Also, Carrie Fisher had passed. I think for me, this film would have been stronger if she was there. Um, I I think that quite a lot of it um, is a response to her not being around. And I think that that was very felt for me when I was watching it. And then the other thing, too, is... Again, it was more about The Last Jedi, but I think that it seems like Disney didn't have a clear line for what they wanted to do with these three films. And I think that J.J. did the best that he could with what he had to work with. Um, and it's a it's a fun movie, but I think that it creates a di- both. I, I've heard in other podcasts it, it compared to that both of the films, Rise of Skywalker and The Last Jedi, are like two different filmmakers having a conversation with each other. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really do agree. Um, and let's talk more about that. And and I think that um, you know, there's a world where both filmmakers have a really great point of view. Um, and, and, uh, and I'm going to be really interested in just like in watching Skywalker again and trying to make sense of it in the canon of these three new movies and even the Skywalker saga as a whole. Um, yeah, but I would say, um, that those are all my thoughts and they're evolving over time. I don't have necessarily my hot take on the movie right now. But I'm processing it. And this movie was a challenging movie to watch. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was in the movie theater. I was sitting down and I was having a lot of thoughts in my head. A lot of them I don't want to talk about. And I'll be completely frank. When my Travis and Tim and I have this thing, we have this text thread open and we like to give our spoiler free thoughts when we come into a movie, especially one like a Star Wars movie. And my first thing that I told them was, I don't want to record this podcast. (laughs) don't want to do this episode. <laughs> I still don't. Um, because I because I don't I don't know. Um, a lot like Luke in The Last Jedi, I took a look at my experience in the movie theater. and I kind of threw it over my shoulder. I, I don't really want to I, I didn't really want to do this episode. I felt a lot like the beginning of The Last Jedi, honestly. Uh, doesn't mean I don't like this film. I think there's a lot to like about it. And it doesn't mean that I dislike anything. I'm not. It's not that. It's just a real complex. My 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 internal state is a real it, it's kind of twisted up on this one. And because, again, Star, Star Wars means so much to me and it's not an easy film. It wasn't an easy movie for me to watch. It just wasn't. And that doesn't mean it was bad because <laughs> it's not it's not a bad movie. I just don't. I'm just working out. I'm working it out. Maybe movies shouldn't do this to me. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to hand the I'm going to hand the mic back. But um I, I don't have a, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a review yet, but we are going to have a lot to talk oh, yeah. about and have lots oh, yeah. of thoughts about it for sure. Yeah. You know, when George Lucas made the original trilogy, he was making stuff up as he went along. I mean, it's kind of the famous one everybody talks about is the kiss between Luke and Leia. You know, he didn't know that they were going to be brother and sister at that point. He just was making it up as he went along, but he was kind of the one person in, in creative control for, 
the original trilogy, even when he wasn't directing the movies. And I think it's okay to make stuff up as you go along in that situation, as it stands with like the current trilogy, it feels disjointed. Like it it felt, it did feel a little disjointed going to the last Jedi after the force awakens. It seems like this is such a snap back and maybe an overcorrection from the last Jedi in, in a few ways. But, um, yeah, I wish they had like either Abrams had had the whole trilogy or Ryan Johnson had had the whole trilogy. I think we would have gotten something better. That said, this is a two and a half hour movie and it felt like I was sitting there for about 90 minutes, 90 to a hundred minutes. It was like, it's so entertaining. Uh, I didn't like the one, like the ass test. If you can feel your ass, you're kind of bored. I never felt my ass in two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> And then we went back the next night and watched it again. And it didn't, my enjoyment of it did not go down at all. I was able to kind of, uh, see a bit more of what was going on because it was so fast paced. Like I, you can tell that what JJ did here is kind of take his ideas for both parts, like for episode seven or eight and nine and put them into one movie. I think it would have been better if there were two movies for all this stuff because it was just so fast paced. The second night I was able to follow things a little better, but yeah, again, entertaining as hell both times. Uh, I think the, the tech they used to bring Carrie Fisher into this because, you know, she was going, going to have a huge part in this movie. Clearly she couldn't, but they had a lot of stuff they cut from the force awakens they were able to use and, it was really well done, like surprisingly well done. I think if I didn't know that she wasn't really there, I wouldn't have been able to tell. Uh, knowing that, knowing it, you could see the seams sometimes and you could tell the dialogue was written around it. But uh, yeah, that that tech was great. It was it was nice seeing her again. Uh, added a lot of, to the emotional impact of seeing her back after she's passed. But yeah, I, I think that's all I want to get into before we start talking about spoilers. Um, there was one scene that I'm going to harp on a lot in the spoilers that I literally think is the worst scene that has been in Star Wars and that might even include if you're talking about the holiday special. It was so bad. But aside from that one scene, I really enjoyed it. Oh my gosh, I am dying to know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> Hello, podcast friends. This is John Dotson, host of Cheerful Ghost Radio and the creator of Tale of the White Wyvern. If you listen to this show, you might be a fan of Cheerful Ghost, and maybe you read the articles on our site. And I've also checked out our new text-based adventure mini-MMO, Tale of the White Wyvern. Cheerful Ghost is a scrappy indie community that makes awesome text games, and we'd love any support you can give us. Right now, if you head to Cheerful Ghost and hit the heart button, you have some incredible support options in that you can use to start in that you could donate a few dollars through PayPal. If you wanted to do a bit more, you can buy a Cheerful Ghost membership that gets you some great supporter perks on Cheerful Ghost, as well as unlock some member-only titles and alternative cosmetic weapon, armor, and hat sets in Tale of the White Wyvern, including the coveted horse armor. On top of the ability to donate a few dollars or get a Cheerful Ghost membership, we also have a Tale of the White Wyvern merch store so you can adorn yourself with the best-looking shirts and mugs from your favorite text adventure mini-MMO. I love the mug and personally use it, to, use it today to drink some coffee, which, you know, might be the best way to drink coffee. 
might be the best way to, to drink coffee that was ever invented. Uh, at least I think so. Hopefully you do too. So we thank you for your support and only want you to donate or become a member or buy merch if you can swing it. So don't do anything that puts you in financial trouble, friend. So thanks again. And hopefully we can keep Cheerful Ghost independent through your continued support. All right, so we reached out to the Cheerful Ghost community for uh, their thoughts about the rise of Skywalker, and some of you guys wrote in and to let us know what you thought. So I just want to let everybody know that a lot of these go into spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to turn it off now. So Tim, why don't you get get us started? Yeah. So our first set of comments comes from Greg Opeck. Uh, he wrote in to say that uh, so I enjoyed the movie, and I'm sure Vinny did too. Uh, Vinny is his son. I felt that it satisfied the questions I had throughout this trilogy, most especially who is Rey and what is her lineage. The trilogy did surprise me in various ways, and the end was full of surprises too. When Chewbacca got his award, I said, finally. Overall, I really enjoyed it, but Star Wars really hasn't ever disappointed me. I'm kind of an easy person to satisfy at times, I suppose. I've heard and read some critics' reviews. I see their points of view and see many of them as valid. Much of this is regarding some of the things like falling into a pit doesn't mean certain death. Another is how Ben can revive Rey. However, I feel like just as the Sith found a way to conquer death, the, Fe- the Jedi found a way to conquer life, if that makes sense. Maybe they both just pretty much tapped into the same resource or ability. I don't find it too bad that Rey was capable of doing all that she did, even though she didn't have a huge amount of training. I think perhaps if you're powerful enough with the Force, you can pretty much do anything. I don't mind that the abilities of the Force have evolved. Perhaps some abilities weren't known before. Like, Anakin may have not have known how to bring back Padme, like Ben brought back Rey. Firstly, I think Greg should have been a screenwriter for this film, because his point about Sith conquering death and Jedi found a way to conquer life is amazing. It's beautiful, and... I hope that's canon, <laughs> Craig. I really do. That's awesome. <laughs> that that's is a, a really great cool way point. to look at it. Uh, I love that. I love that. Thank you, Greg, for that. All right. Ben Dotson. Uh, hold on. Before you uh, go, Travis, if everyone sure, yeah. was wondering, this is my brother. <laughs> we are related. And if you were yeah. also similarly curious, uh, he is my older brother. So because, uh, you know, everything's all about lineage, right? Everybody, it has to mm. be about lineage. So this is my brother. <laughs> All right, Ben said, the first part of the movie was Rush Rush. They were having to end loose ends from the first two, not very good movie arcs. They needed to write the ship by saying, yes, here's the conclusion to that. Sorry, now here's where we're going. The second half of the movie felt more complete than the entirety of movies seven and eight as a whole. I think Disney and Lucasfilm have learned a lot from its successes in the franchise, Rogue One and now The Mandalorian, in that they know how to tell a story that works with the new Star Wars universe. Rise is the saving grace to this new saga. It gives me hope for the future of the franchise and opens many other story options. Uh, The Sith Temple was amazing. I thought the end on Tatooine was cheesy. Why? It didn't seem necessary. And finally, they honored all the movies. Good job. That was also a bulleted list, too, by the way. So (laughs) those are all like independent thoughts each other. Yeah. Again, I have restored hope for the franchise, and I look forward to what Disney and John Favreau will do. Okay, everybody. So I'm going to read Rhett's thoughts from Game Devs Quest. I cut his down a little bit. Sorry, Rhett. Um, let's see. Uh, but they're they're all good. Maybe we'll release a director's cut of this podcast with all of <laughs> Ray's, uh, Rhett's thoughts. Rise of Skywalker 
is a movie torn between two promises. One, the promise of departure from Star Wars as we know it and into a new future, and the other, a promise of tradition. While I personally believe it to be a great movie, I'm disappointed only by Abrams' failure to honor the bricks laid by Johnson in the previous film. The loudest, most obnoxious Star Wars, quote, fans, unquote, have proven to be a means of affecting change on films they don't like. I believe this to be a dangerous precedent that I believe will haunt Star Wars. Now, with that out of the way, I love the movie. Some of the more powerful scenes drew tears from my eyes on several different occasions, and peripheral exposure to fan theories left me thinking I'd know where it was headed, but instead thoroughly surprised at every turn. I think that they did the best they could with Carrie Fisher's unexpected departure. The way they handled it was quite tasteful, but also concise. And it was really cool seeing them explore the fact that she was just a Jedi. I'm sorry, there's no just. That she was a Jedi a little bit more thoroughly. The movie did leave me with a few unanswered questions and some hopes and dreams that were never fully realized. But I think that's pretty consistent for every Star Wars movie. That's true, Ray. Uh, read for me too for being an aspect of the movie that i think most people were not very excited for the way that they handled palpatine i thought was pretty cool his hidden lair was ominous and spooky and was a really cool backdrop for the final showdown learning that palpatine had created snoke as some sort of force puppet i think was an interesting choice it's a little disingenuous toward the ground that was laid in the novelizations of the movies but i found myself okay with that decision anyone who's heard me dissect star wars obviously knows how much i love star wars and that i would never not recommend seeing obviously i wrote this movie as a wrote this i write this movie as a must see thanks cheerful ghost crew for reading the thoughts all right so next up we've got thoughts from adam aka maverick in uh, uh wyvern overall a fun movie and a good end to the story a bit rushed through the first third or so but then very enjoyable for the rest of the movie does episode nine make episode eight unnecessary other than Luke dying, Rey getting the Jedi books, and the Force timing between Rey and Kylo, did anything else matter in Episode Eight? Was Anakin really the chosen one to bring balance to the Force, if the Emperor wasn't actually killed in Return of the Jedi? Or maybe Anakin was the chosen one to have a son who would train the one to bring balance to the Force? This is mostly a joking nitpick comment. LOL. I liked the fan service of seeing the Ewoks. Well, I think I'll tell you, Adam, I really liked seeing those Ewoks, too. What about you guys? Do you like seeing the Ewoks? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think yeah. uh, when the first big trailer came out and it was revealed that, you know, they were going to be going yeah, on an indoor, right. I that's texted right. you guys like, show me some Ewoks, you cowards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. glad they had the Ewoks. I, I wish they would have had more of that. In fact, yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been a challenging movie for me if it was just all Ewoks. It probably wouldn't have been. <laughs> To be honest with you, I there was definitely should like, have been like one or two Ewoks with that group of uh, like ex stormtroopers that they ran into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. Now, I was wanting more of the like at that end, like celebration scene where they showed the Ewoks. I was kind of hoping they would go to more places and just show me a Gungan, you know? I, I, <laughs> I think honestly, getting a I really to a Gungan too. in Mandalorian is probably yeah. the closest we're going to yeah, get to probably. a Gungan showing up in anything Star Wars yeah. from here on I out. Love, I love that Mandalorian <laughs> moment where he makes fun of him. <laughs> of yeah. I really wanted a, a, a Gungan in this one, too. Um, hopefully Star Wars is going gonna, is gonna to go back there. Confronting fear. Destiny of a Jedi. Your 
All right, so um, now we're going to get into our spoilery thoughts. So, uh, Tim, you started us off last time. John, you want to start this one? Nope, but I will. Okay, so. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so I mentioned at the top, and, and, and people that we reached out to have noticed this too, like, does this undo... Does this undo The Last Jedi? Does this... And and it's interesting because Rhett brings this up to, you know, Adam asked if, you know, about that. And then Rhett brought that up as well. So here's my thoughts on this. I'm not sure if it does. But my first watching of the film is I think it probably does. And I think it's unfortunate that we don't have a clear through line. It's entirely possible that Disney was like, we're going to set up all the mystery boxes in the force awakens. And then they're like, Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's close them off in the last Jedi to make people think that they're all gone. And then we're going to actually bring them all back again (laughs) in the rise of Skywalker again. That could have been a plan. Probably not. But it's possible. It's possible. Right. Um, I kind of want to know what happened. Like, I'd really love to see it. um, What happened there. But I think that for me, one of the things that I. Really liked about The Last Jedi was the thought that any could but he could be a Jedi. You know, Ray was Ray was no one. He she has to find make her own way in this. She has to find her own story you know it's it's not about who your parents were it's really about who you are and the choices that you make and i'm not really even sure rise of skywalker undercuts that a bit but it basically says well you know how they said you know your parents were nobody well well, your grandpappy (laughs) he's somebody you know what i mean (laughs) that guy um which i don't even think is even even really undercuts that that much because i think in, in some ways it's like well i mean you know even though her grandpappy is the emperor um, she still makes choices uh, in the film and even at the end decides that she wants to be a Skywalker, even though I I, I don't really I, I don't know. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to sit with it longer. There are aspects of it I like and some aspects that I, I, I don't understand quite as much, you know, right now. Um, I think that's that was the biggest problem. No, it's I don't even know it's a problem. The questions I had about the movie, they just don't. I don't see the through line, really. And I wanted to. I think that in some ways I experienced the original trilogy as a kid who didn't have to grapple with the facts that the movies kept redconning each other. But I'm an adult now (laughs) and I'm having and I guess it wouldn't be Star Wars without a bunch of retcons. Right. So it's like in one hand, maybe JJ's like, listen, you know how the Return of the Jedi had that scene where Luke's like, you told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. And Obi-Wan's like, well, you know, that was true from a certain point of view. And Luke doesn't. He's like, what? A certain point of view? He's like, well, you know, Luke, the things that we, you know, cling to, you know, rely on our certain point of view. That's a retcon, y'all. <laughs> it's just little young John Dotson didn't, he, he accepted it, you know. And then and then these are just hard. These are just more challenging for me because I'm like, we're, 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 when Kylo Ren said, yeah, but your parents were nobodies, but your grandpappy was someone and and Luke knew it and Leia knew it and everybody knew it. And Leia has a lightsaber and, on Octo and this kind of it's like, I don't know, I that wasn't as effective for me in the first viewing. Again, I, I can't wait to watch it again and see it just seemed like, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. 
I don't know. I I, I want to watch it and see it again. I suppose. I'm not really. I don't even think I'm really making my point very well right now. <laughs> but because I just because it's still something I'm trying to sort out. One thing I don't want to do in this hot take climate that we have is immediately jump to destroy things that don't immediately make sense to me. One of the things I finally understand why people didn't like The Last Jedi, because I think I'm in the same spot at initial first viewing of Rise of Skywalker like many of them were. So now my empathy is very under I, I have more of it for them. Like, I get that. Um, but I'm not here to eviscerate anyone or make part of who I am as a human being. Like, hi, my name is John Dotson. By the way, The Rise of Skywalker was a terrible movie that I didn't like, which is, by the way, not what I think, because that's not what I'm going to be about things that I don't like. Like, they're not going to define me. That's one of the things that's interesting about our hot take culture in general and how fandom responds to things, which is your 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 the definition of who you are becomes the things that you don't like. I don't I don't. And I've said this on the show before, but that's not a personality. And I don't think that's a way that like I think is a good way to define yourself. So that's like how I'm not going to talk about myself in this way. And that's why this has been challenging and very a reflective process watching this movie. I want to love it. You know what I mean? And I'm still trying to process that. Um, And I don't also want to repeat myself 50 times. So I'm going to stop talking about that (laughs) and kick this back to y'all. But I think my spoiler thoughts are just how I'm thinking about the themes of this film. You know, there's a lot of exposition in this movie. A lot, a lot of exposition. And I think that I I was and, and I think that that was also a product of, you know, maybe a lot of reshoots and um, a challenging hand. Yeah, I I think J.J. Abrams had a had a hard time with this one. But I think that um, and I also think that um, as an ending to the Skywalker saga, I don't I don't know about that yet. You know, um, but we're going to talk about it again. (laughs) We're going to review the Blu-ray. I think I'll have more to say then. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I, I don't know. This was a challenging film for me. So, yeah. All right, Tim, how about you? All right. So when we were doing our review of The Last Jedi, I think I said something to the effect of like, if I were J.J. Abrams and I saw the film that Ryan Johnson had left me, that I'd be kind of pissed. Not because I, you know, not because um, The Last Jedi was a bad movie, but because of where it left the series when it was supposed to be like the middle of a trilogy. It felt more like a conclusion, you know, like, how are you supposed to like rebuild the rebellion and, you know, finish off the series in one movie. So um, now, obviously, I can't read J.J. Abrams mind, but uh, I get the feeling by some of the choices in this movie, he kind of was pissed at Ryan Johnson because a lot of the stuff that uh, Ryan Johnson like tore out of the Star Wars, you know, story that J.J. had set up, J.J. brought back like, no, no, this was a big deal. Actually, it wasn't just some throwaway thing. Can, can I talk a, a little stuff- bit about here, or- Tim? Um, I have an article here that J.J. Um, was asking some questions about The Last Jedi and that. And I think uh-huh. it's relevant. Do you, do you guys mind if I read what he was sure. quoted as saying when they asked sure, about go ahead. that? Okay, cool. So um, when people so when JJ was asked, like what people think about this movie and there's like, hey, you know, some people might be angry 
Uh, this is an article from Games Radar. We're gonna we're gonna link to it uh, in the show notes. So um, whether you're angry or overjoyed by episode nine, director JJ believes you're right. And this is quote. He's quoted. I would say that they're right. Filmmaker told Vanity Fair when asked whether these people unhappy with the rise of Skywalker or not understanding something. The people who love it more than anything are also right. And then talking in a QA following the screen in the movie, Abraham's commented further on the mixed reaction. He said, "I was just." I was asked just seven hours ago in another country. So how do you go about pleasing everyone? I was like, what? No, no, that's not to say that that's what anyone should try to do anyway. But how would one go about it, especially with Star Wars? We knew starting in this that any decision we made, a design decision, a musical decision, a narrative decision, would please someone and infuriate someone. And they're all right. Um, hold on. I'm going to move down here. Um, some fans have questioned whether Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker Rise of Skywalker was an attempt to undo the story told by Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi. Abrahams denies this is an attempt to retcon The Last Jedi. Quote, it would be a much more interesting answer if there were conflict, he said. The truth is that when I was getting The Force Awakens up and running, I was nothing but grateful that a director and writer I admire as much as Ryan was coming in to do the next one. Not expecting to come back to this, it was just fun to watch what was happening and get to respond to it. Abrahams went on to praise Luke Skywalker's story arc in The Last Jedi, calling it a beautiful thing, and said that Johnson acted as a story consultant on Rise of the Skywalker. Quote, we had conversations with Ryan at the beginning. It's been nothing but collaborative, Abram said. The perspective that, at least part personally, I got from stepping away from it and seeing what Ryan did strangely gave us opportunities that we would never have been there because, of course, he made choices no one else would have made. In a way, it felt like a gift, though, of course, there were challenges in every direction. Abram said it was actually weirdly more helpful than not having the energy to the story. There was an alchemy because of the things he did. So... That's what he said, and he's been unquoted to say. Now, I don't know. You know, some of that might be marketing. Some of it might be real. I'm not exactly sure, but at least it doesn't seem like there was any um, disagreement. What I think was that J.J. made his movie with The Force Awakens. Ryan Johnson responded to it and said, these things I don't think are what I would explore. Let's let's do something different. And then J.J. was like, hey, let's maybe come back to what I, my ideas. You know what I mean? I th- I don't know if... Some people are saying that this is a retcon of The Last Jedi. I, I don't know. I think what it is is probably just J.J. saying, no, the mystery boxes, let's answer those. Because I did that, <laughs> you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I think, and again, a lot of ways. And again, this is something where I understand people coming out with The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi said, hey, you know, those things that you're really vested in, nah, that doesn't matter. And I know a lot of fans are upset by that. And then, you know, J.J., I think he's just coming back and saying, no, they do matter to me and let's answer them. So anyways, I'm sorry, Tim, I didn't mean to step on what you were saying there, but I, I, I remembered I had that article and I didn't read it. So, OK, so, I mean, maybe not totally pissed at Ryan, but, you know, that could just be PR and stuff like that. Having said that, it definitely did seem like there was a few moments in The Rise of Skywalker that were like directly answering criticisms of The Last Jedi. Absolutely like, no yes, question about yes. that. Yeah, like people did not connect with Rose Tico, so she's basically just a support like member now. She'll get a few cameos. <laughs> That's about it. She's not even part of the core group anymore. Uh, they specifically brought up the Holdo maneuver <laughs> when they were talking about the assault on um, um on it's the one Sith in a fleet. million. It's one yeah, in they're a like, million. no, no, that was a one in a million thing. Never gonna like, happen. They even <laughs> called it a Holdo maneuver, like what like the fans had picked as the name for yeah. it too <laughs> uh let's see here 
Yeah, they did. You know, obviously, there's the whole thing with Ray's parentage. Like, no, no, mm-hmm. they actually were somebody. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, question, you're a Palpatine. Question for you guys. Question. Okay. Now, I remember that there were there were there were when we were originally talking about this, uh, I think maybe even uh, scripts thought that maybe he was a Palpatine or one of you guys thought maybe he was, she was a Palpatine or whatever. Now, there, I think there are two things with this, this Palpatine thing. The one that I'm really questioning, and, and I agree with you, Travis, when you said, hey, you know, maybe it would have been cool if we would have gotten a, a full J.J. vision for this trilogy yeah. or a full yeah. Or, or yeah. just continued with Johnson and then the last Jedi and the last one. I think clearly if, if you look at the way that the reviews are head, headed, it's like critics don't really like Skywalker, but the fans seem to really like it. Right. Uh, and then it was pretty much flipped with uh, Rise of Skywalker, right? The critics liked it, fifty percent, you know, fan reaction. Yeah, it depends on Kinda, what it's you look exact at. Same. Like the um, like the average Metascore is still like in the fifties, but if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes percentage of who liked it, it's up in the eighty percent liked. So who knows? It's it's hard to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's still agreed, but I think that you you could say that maybe this film is less contentious among fans. I, I guess certainly agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, so we we even had that scene where uh, Luke comes back and was basically like, "Yeah, everything I did in the last movie, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> that was that was a bad." I couldn't move. tell. Okay, question about that. So he, so, so Ray throws her lightsaber into the fire at Octo, right into the in the thing. Yeah, and then he grabs yeah. it and he's like, "Treat this Jedi weapon better." Okay, was that a no, that was joke? obviously a joke? Was that he... was obviously a joke because of how he reacted when. Okay, yeah. But was that, no, that was he like, like winking? A... Was it because I couldn't tell if he was angry or that was actually no. a joke? Like, because if it was no, a joke, that was that's really a funny. Joke. That's a really. I think funny it was joke. Uh, yes. like it was kind of Luke making a self-deprecating joke about. I, I don't think okay, that was an yeah, Abrams no, that against absolutely was. like an Abrams against Johnson joke. I think it was more of a Luke against himself. Okay. And like, kind of like what Luke said with it was a mistake for me to come here. You know, he got to that point by the end of the last Jedi. So I also don't think that was totally, totally. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Luke having a different perspective in rise of Skywalker is totally earned, you know what oh, I yeah. mean? Cause he, 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 he kind of, he, he, and he said he was afraid and, and I think that's fine. Yeah. So and he's yeah, one with absolutely. the force now. So like that, that's going to change your perspective a little bit, probably <laughs> yeah. it's possible. Mm hmm. So to start with, I'll just I'll jump on that scene that I mentioned, Tim. You said you're really interested to hear about this one. So yes. the scene at the almost at the very end when Ben brings Ray back, then they kiss, then he immediately dies. You know, I I, I saw the movie <laughs> with the first time with a crowd of very appreciative fans. Like there was cheering and clapping like all the time everybody in the room mm-hmm. cracked up at that and i don't think that was what they intended to happen with that scene <laughs> it, <laughs> well okay you know how jj I likes mean, that is to, definitely not the reaction you want to get when you kiss a dude and then know? die yeah so <laughs> like you know jj has to you know he likes bringing old themes back you know he had to retcon stuff because you know that's an old theme of return of the jedi <laughs> that kind of thing and even in bar strikes back obviously but like in this instance, I wonder if he wanted to get the same reaction from a kiss that they got in Empire. Hmm. Where Luke kisses Leia and it means something totally different than it. So I'm that was a joke. Obviously, I don't <laughs> think that's true. But I mean, you know, Star Wars kisses are funny. They're <laughs> funny, right? <laughs> Just kidding. I, I don't think they're yeah, funny, nothing good ever happens when two Star Wars characters kiss. <sighs> no, one thing that I have to say about kind of related to that scene 
Adam Driver has a single line in the last hour of the movie. And it is ouch when he jumps down and hits the chain holding the platform up and he says, ouch, that's the only line that he has after the fight on the Death Star, which says so much about his acting that he was selling that so well without any dialogue at all. I I kind of loved that detail. I read that online. I was like, no, that can't be right. Second time through, I paid attention and the yeah, ouch is the only line he has in the last hour. That was pretty impressive. And the way he changes so drastically when he becomes Ben again instead of Kylo was he sold that very well. And I went into this, you know, I think we talked about this with um our various Last Jedi episodes. I didn't want Ben to get a redemption. I wanted him to just, you know, go out as the villain because the redemption arcs are so overdone, but this worked so well for me. I didn't think it would, but the way this one was written, it just felt like that was exactly what was needed. I didn't, like you said, John, I didn't really want uh, Ray to have like a strong lineage in the force. I wanted her to be a nobody, but somehow seeing it all play out on the screen with her being a Palpatine and all that, it, it clicked. I just, again, wish that we had a, a unified vision for everything because it does seem like it's a reaction to people's criticism. Now I will say the second time through, like able to kind of see more details here and there. I, I think that it's kind of like the goal that JJ had with this or Chris Terrio or whoever came up with this, that, that concept was that it kind of expands on the last Jedi's point that it doesn't matter who you are because yeah, she's a Palpatine, but she's not being a Palpatine. She's choosing what she wants out of life and choosing who she wants to be. So I think it's kind of like an extension of the thesis of the last Jedi, but in the way that kind of also answers the criticism. And I, I do kind of wonder how much of that was handed down from Lucasfilm. Like, Hey, we had a riot on our hands last time. So here make something that's not going to piss people off as much. I don't, I don't know how much of that was, you know, the business end and how much of it was creative, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that me sitting with her as Palpatine's granddaughter is actually that problematic. Uh, I want my, my question though, is what do you think that JJ really wanted to do? Like, do you think that it, she was always a Palpatine or that she was Luke Skywalker's daughter? Cause clearly she couldn't be Luke Skywalker's daughter after the last Jedi. But it seems like maybe she did, because by the end of the movie, she's like, I am a Skywalker, which she's basically adopted the Skywalker. And that's totally mm-hmm. cool, like it because they're, they're all dead. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that someone's kicking around. I mean, clearly not a bloodline, but that maybe that answers the bloodline problem and that unless they retcon someone else yet again to be a Skywalker, they're all gone. So that's kind of cool. But the Palpatines move on or whatnot. But my question is, like. Do you really think that J.J. wanted to do Palpatine or was he Luke's daughter? Or, I, I don't know. What do you think? I don't think he uh, intended for her necessarily to be Palpatine, but he definitely was setting that up to be a big mystery that she was going to be connected to somebody we'd seen before. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just wonder which one it was. absolutely intended that to be a thing in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think he chose Palpatine because of what they ended up doing in the last movie, but I don't think that you know Palpatine was in the w- was the set plan from the get go. I'm sure it was like an option that mm. they were kicking around, 
But because J.J. Abrams was only expecting to do the first movie, he was just kind of like, you know, setting this up to be a big mystery that the other directors would explore in the later movies. Yeah, I heard an interview with um, Daisy Ridley sometime after The Last Jedi where she said that, like, the... Her... She knew Rey's origins from the beginning of The Force Awakens and that it hadn't changed, but it hadn't been fully explained yet. So maybe... I, I I don't know what changed from that interview until they started filming uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So that could have changed. But at that point, she seemed to indicate that it was at least not fully explained by her being a nobody. But yeah, I think this was a, a pretty satisfying like movie on its own. It Aside from the, the odd tone change between the movies, it was a pretty satisfying conclusion to the sequel trilogy. I'm just not sure where it fits in with the whole saga because you know you hear anakin's voice at the end of the movie saying bring balance to the force as i did which means that according to you know the the lore there anakin still was meant to have brought balance to the force at the end of return of the jedi but if he didn't actually kill the emperor did he really i mean no like no and then i guess maybe like the emperor isn't really alive it's clearly some sort of a uh like no he's that's the emperor right it's the emperor's body but he's clearly dead like a corpse and he's just being Mm. kind of animated by yeah he's some kind of like a force zombie almost you know which i loved uh, i love jedi come back as he's like cool sparkly force ghosts the sith come back as he's like gross (laughs) zombie things you know right which i really liked that and then he touches ray and creepy yeah, and then he touches Ray and Kylo, and they're like, and he's like, "Got your powers, suckers, back yep. now." Yep. Yeah, which was um, okay. That's one way to go about doing that, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So here, here's here's how I re- react to that Emperor thing. Part of me is like, I love campy movies, zombie Emperor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. On the other hand, I'm like, wait, what did? Return of the Jedi just not be a thing that happened because like I'm wondering like okay well so how do you watch Jedi you're like oh okay so every time I watch Return of the Jedi I'm like yeah Vader did not did you kill the Emperor no like I I don't know how I'm supposed to read that now like I'm not saying Jedi is a bad movie or whatever because of this but like it's weird and and honestly now I'm to a point now with the Emperor and everything where he's clearly not gone Right. He's not gone. Like if they if Disney says, oh, no, he's real gone. I'd be like, well, until maybe your next trilogy doesn't work or something. I don't, I'm this real cynical. I'm sorry. I, I, I but like I don't honestly believe it's like he's gone, really. And maybe that's fine. Maybe maybe they're going to do another trilogy. And this is I'm not even being cynical. This would even be fine with me. Another trilogy of movies were like, listen, the emperor's not really gone. We're going to hunt him down for goods. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> yeah. a movie where you're hunting every emperor clone down because because he clearly cloned himself. Why don't I just do a zillion more clones? And I think that's the thing that like Star Wars for me was never really grounded in reality. But oh, no. The more you kind of extend this stuff, I just I don't know. just kind of like, well, is that really a thing? And maybe it never will end. And maybe that's what Disney wants, that it never will stop. <laughs> like the Emperor is never going to be gone. And that's fine. But I don't know where are the stakes in that, I guess. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, at least he doesn't have know. a body anymore questions. since they've, he, she pretty much vaporized it with the force lightning. But well, he uh, ne- didn't he not have yeah. a body last time? Well, <laughs> didn't, we didn't really didn't see. Vader throw he him down, it. down and then there was, you saw there was some sort of uh, like energy Okay, so we've, I mean, we've clearly established that falling down big, long pits does not result in death. So that no. means yeah, that uh, Mace no. Window is definitely kicking it around somewhere out there. <laughs> <laughs> I got, when we talk about nits, I, I got some about your brother Mace. But like, didn't they throw him down the pit and wasn't there like this big energy thing at the bottom that he like vaporized on and that's why his spirit <laughs> you don't see it like you it, like he goes oh. down past the point where you can see then there's oh. like the weird energy explosion yeah. that comes up but oh it, so it clearly that... big chunks of the death star you know landed on uh <laughs> yeah. indoor so you know the, the whatever was left of the emperor i'm okay. sure one of his you know groupies scraped it off the side <laughs> of some <laughs> You know, <laughs> some Listen, turbo lift or something, and then I've, I bet that him em- from that. <laughs> I bet the emperor was vaporized, but then all, honestly, one of his groupies took a throat swab at some point and brought him back. Look, <laughs> both can be true. You know, it's I don't know, I don't know. But yeah. Travis is like, well, is he really ever gone? And that's why I'm glad that they opened the trailers up with no one's ever really gone <laughs> because they never will be. In Star Wars, it's awesome. It's awesome. We'll just yeah. keep watching the same Emperor thing. And by the yeah. way, that I can give you, Disney, a treatment for the the next trilogy of films, which is Emperor Hunters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking down every clone. And even after that, I'm sure he still won't be gone. At last. My All right, so let's talk about a few uh, nits that we would like to pick with the movie, a few things that we didn't really care for. John, would you like to get us started here? Yes, I would. And firstly, this doesn't mean I didn't really like the movie or that I thought it was bad or that any of these points are me really. You guys should not take this that seriously. This is me having fun with Star Wars because Star Wars, guys, if if we took if we took every if we yeah there's a lot of goofy stuff in star wars this is just me having fun this is just us having oh, fun yeah. this doesn't mean i hate jj abrams this doesn't mean I hate think Disney. about how many little things we could pick out of even empire oh. like the thing that oh. people say is the best one ever it's still full of so much camp and cheese I know. it's fun they walk into a space worm <laughs> i didn't even want to talk about the space worm that's it's hilarious right, right hilarious doesn't make any sense all right so <laughs> okay guys you ready to have fun here we go so some people critique snoke that, you know, you know, JJ, he likes to pull these things back from the past and give them to you again. A remix of the past as you were. Some critique Snoke. They said that he's an Emperor clone. He apparently, and JJ took that critique and he was like, yeah, he was, suckers. Fuck yeah, Literally. He was. <laughs> <laughs> I love how JJ takes that critique and he's like, you know what, people? Eat it. He was. Boom. <laughs> Well, he wasn't a clone of the Emperor, was he? It was just no, like, he was a clone that the Emperor made. Yeah, <laughs> He's an Emperor yeah, clone. Yeah. Hey, mm. So I thought that was great. Um, okay. Also, guys, 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 how this is a question for you and Tim. Okay. How many times is the Emperor gonna hit himself in the face with force lightning? Every third movie. <laughs> <laughs> this guy needs to keep a journal. Dear diary, today. My force lightning was used against me in a way I did not mean. Come up with a new powerful move. <laughs> well, with all that unlimited power, he just can't control it, you know. Unlimited power. <laughs> I think I think one of the things I really liked about the Emperor in this, because I, I thought he was, he was fun in this one, is when he was like, do it. 
You know what I mean? That's why I need to watch it again. I know. I know. He's camping it up and it's so great. Like, I think JJ went to the prequel meme subreddit <laughs> yeah. and started looking around. Yeah. Like, the very first time you really see him, he says, like, the Sith, uh, the dark side has a path to many abilities, oh, which some find that. unnatural, I which it. I love I that. Love that yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. It's all but, fan service. Too. Yeah. It's just fan oh, yeah. service. Some of the most fun I loved in this movie is all fan service. Great. All right. So guys, guys. Okay. So when the emperor is doing his emperor thing and monologuing, he basically says, Ray, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And then I'm going to become you or something that's not really clear, but you're going to become really powerful. And I'm not sure if it's going to be you or me or whatever, but it's a thing. So don't. So if you attack me, you lose. Blah, 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 blah. So if he like didn't monologue and she just would have killed him. So he should just shut the F up and he would have won. <laughs> like he didn't have to say anything and he would have just won. Right. Okay, so maybe part of, like, the whole ritual hmm. is that she had to do it willingly and she had to, like, you know. <laughs> ah. So, but it, so in, the, in, the, in the Sith playbook, you have to monologue how it works or it doesn't? Okay, that's not just the Sith playbook. That's the <laughs> villain playbook. That is every sorry. villain of every right. series. I'm if they don't ha- monologue, like, then why, why come up with these elaborate the, plans if nobody understands audience, it? I know. No one in the audience understands. So all <laughs> exactly. I'm saying is if all he would have done is realize loose lips sink ships, he would have won, guys. See, my my headcanon here is that there's <laughs> like there's like a ritual that has to go through with that. And part of right. it is that she has to be a willing participant. And he so has she to just run right. ups and like okay. chops his head off, you know. And she's doing it, you know, not as part of this ritual, oh, then it's not going to work. I see. Yeah. I see. And so I see. he has like to, that. like, oh, put like that, that right. seed in her yeah. head yeah. Yeah. so yeah. that she can't just run uh-huh. up and hack him to pieces. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know? you need you need to be working on the comic book that explains this film. OK. All right, guys. All right. So here we go. So Ray heals a snake and Kylo. No problemo. OK. Mm-hmm. But when Kylo heals Ray, he dies. Oh, she said that she had to uh, transfer some of her own life force into the snake to heal it. And then presumably she had to do the she same. She didn't with even Kylo, like lose so. any wind doing the snake thing. She's like, well, but, you know, with her being entirely dead, he probably had to give her all of it to bring her back. OK. All right. All right. OK, that's fine. OK. OK. So force time. OK. Set up in The Last Jedi. Right. But mm-hmm. now you can send items through the call. <laughs> Yeah, they set that up in the last Jedi. Yeah, they actually, set that up in the last Jedi. You can send when, items. Uh, some of the water splashed on a uh, Kylo Ren. Oh, yep. okay, 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 okay. High five. All right, all right, yeah. all right. So Which I thought that was I thought that was really cool at the end yeah, there where yeah, she passes yeah, totally, him the lightsaber. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Totally agree. I, I think that's great. By the way, it's like like in Looney Tunes when they reach off the side of the screen to get a shovel to hit somebody. <laughs> also, <laughs> pull out also, random items from behind their back. <laughs> totally. Yeah. This is also JJ did Star Trek right. So Star Wars, boom, teleportation, done. <laughs> JJ's bringing teleportation. Well, I guess maybe Johnson brought teleportation. Okay, this is not a knit. This is this is an honest. Oh, actually, maybe I should say. I mean, you know, I'm gonna put something I love in there. Uh, I love that Kylo Ren's helmet was reforged by a space chimp. <laughs> that was cool. I'm like space chimps in Star Wars. High five, JJ Abrams. I like that quite a lot. 
Um, okay, question All for right, you so guys. So is it confirmed that Planet of the Apes is uh, in the Star Wars <laughs> universe? <laughs> Disney's going to reboot the franchise. Crossover confirmed. Space chimps. I loved it. Uh, okay, so question for you guys. Did this movie end with the Emperor shooting a big beam of laser force energy into the sky because Star Wars has never had that happen? Is that how all big budget movies end? It was was Star Wars feeling left out because they didn't do the big beam laser in the sky thing now, so they could now. Yay! That's a cool. What are you talking like? Because the Emperor force lightning up and he puts the, the force lightning in like, the sky, and now and now force lightning can, all the ships. Right, he's nuking. No, I know, but you said like other movies. Like what other movies? No, like the Avengers. Avengers did like big laser beam in the sky that was opening a portal yeah. to the next thing. And like, like be, be, just Google like laser beams in the sky, big budget movie <laughs> endings, like, like, like independence day and stuff like that. Like all these movies, like one common trope is at the end of the films, you'd have big laser beam in the sky. that's going to destroy the planet. Like, like Superman does this, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of movies do that. Okay. That joke landed with a huge thud. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the Emperor, he could use force lightning and all these ships of the galaxy are like just falling down. Just force, he's so powerful, right? He's just so leveled up. He's clearly a level 50 paladin or something. No, uh, necromancer or something. But, but you know, when, when he was fighting with our brother, uh, uh, oh man, who's the guy in the prequels that uh, Mace Windu? Mace Windu mm. reflected the lights. He reflected the force lightning out with one lightsaber. Uh, would what have saved Mace Window would have been two lightsabers? <laughs> because apparently Ray I think we can all agree that Mace Windu had the situation under control until Anakin chopped his arms off. <laughs> but you know, I'm that's just a pretty good point. I'm just saying if he had two lightsabers, he probably wouldn't have been able to win, right? Because that's what Ray uses, two lightsabers to reflect it all back. That was the that was the magic there. Two. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so I was kind of mad <laughs> with all the fan service of this movie that no one actually lost the hand. I wanted Ray and Kylo to have basically a battle where they just had two stumps for both arms. <laughs> Boo, did, JJ. Did Boo. anybody lose an arm in this one? Is this the first no. Star Wars movie where somebody didn't lose an arm? No. I don't think anybody did in, um, in The Last Jedi either, did they? No, no. Oh, Unless yeah. you count Snoke, he lost like. Oh yeah, he lost his whole. Yeah, yeah he lost an arm. He, technically, yeah, yeah, yeah he, did. he did. He was dismembered. Yeah. Okay, one more yeah. nit, y'all, and then I'm done. Ah, okay. So Sith dagger, <laughs> the Sith dagger. Okay, so um, it's got it's like a Goonies reference. The Sith dagger. <laughs> it's like got the Goonies. It's just like I'm just gonna light it up. With this uh, this wreckage on a water planet that would never stay stay in the same spot very long because of water. But Goonies dagger, nobody Goonies. No, I thought that was kind of kind of dumb. I mean, if they wanted to just write the secret on <laughs> yeah. a dagger, yeah. cool. Yeah. But to have it like this like yeah. little pullout thing right. that matches up with like a particular spot on the Death Star, you know, and then it ended up not even being like that big of a deal because where's the vault oh literally right off the side of his throne room where everybody <laughs> right, would have yeah, thought exactly. to look for it yeah yeah right <laughs> you know if you're gonna do goonies dagger make it cooler i guess yeah, yeah it should have been like far deeper inside the death star you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. the, the i thought the first time through like how the hell do they even 
know where the person's going to be standing, but <laughs> um, in the yeah. like the second time through, the translation included like you if you stand on the hill, something something, and the dagger will show you. I didn't catch that the first time through, but three oh, PO's nice. kind of rapid fire translation of it. Oh, cool. So, oh, I had one more thing too. So you know, at the end, you mentioned this already, Travis, where um where uh. Ray, Ray brings Kylo Ren back or something. I don't remember what what should have happened for me. This is how I would have written that ending is that um, Ray Kylo brings Ray back and then he's going to die and Ray brings Kylo back and then Kylo brings Ray back and he's like, no, you no, no, you first. No, no, you. And then and they just keep trading so that none of them die. <laughs> so that yeah, I don't know where. um he learned how to do the whole like disappearing into the force thing, but it's a good thing he did, or they would just keep going back and forth. <laughs> it's true. And then, and then they would both be alive and then they wouldn't have had to kill any of them. Either one of them. They just keep trading, trading. No, no, you die. No, I'm not going to die. You no, I'm going to no, no, me, no, me. That'd have been kind of fun. That'd have been a fun ending. <clears throat> be maybe here maybe all week, like, folks. Trying to fill like two cups with water where you're pouring it back and forth. Yeah. And each time, like a little bit sloshes <laughs> out, you know? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. If they, uh, did, actually, they, they kept doing that, and sooner yeah. or later there'd be no water left. All right, Tim, what about you? All right, well, let's see here. So we brought up the dagger thing. Um, in the very beginning, when they're doing that, like, you know, jump to light speed, pop out in the middle of something. Jump to light speed again, pop out in the middle of something else. It's like, okay, first of all, I thought they had made a pretty big deal in previous star wars movies that you couldn't just like blindly jump into hyperspace like that without doing a bunch of calculations so that you don't like crash into a planet or something like that you know i mean they already kind of retconned that in the force awakens when they blast out of the uh uh hangar of the one ship in the millennium falcon but you know that was proposed as like a really bad idea and then they you know did the same thing coming into the uh uh, Starkiller base and you know but it, they at least made a point that that was a bad idea and then they're doing it like all over the place in the beginning of the movie and I'm just thinking like this is I mean it's kind of cheesy and it basically it was like they're just doing this so that they have an excuse to do this in Star Tours next year aren't they like that this is going to become part of Star <laughs> Tours in Disneyland and they just did that now so that they have an excuse to do it then <laughs> yeah I agree that it doesn't if you you know, try to make it make sense in Star Wars. You know, it doesn't it doesn't. But I don't think it had anything to do with the Star Tours ride. When I was watching that scene, I'm like and then paying attention to kind of what was happening in the film. I realized that I think it was actually uh, audience. A, a way to frame the audience into what the movie's going to do, because we'd all agree that the beginning of this movie is like so fast, like so much stuff is happening oh, yes. in the first yeah. 30 yes. minutes. Right. And so what I think it's literally doing is blasting you to all these places really quickly to catch you up on how fast this movie's gonna be in the beginning to get you <laughs> ready for it. We're discussing because the pace just, now. We're gonna move quick. <laughs> absolutely. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. And then when it and then when the movie keeps doing that, you're used to it, I think, by then. So so I think it was actually kind of an interesting sort of plotting device. But yeah, I mean, I agree <laughs> with what you said too. <laughs> Okay, and then this is super nitpicky because in the grand scheme of things, it was barely a thing. But the whole like alien Burning Man festival thing that they go to, oh, that like was so that cool. served 
that was like straight out of the prequels, dude. That was like. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Well, maybe it, Misa liking it, dad it scene. Served, it served no purpose other than as an excuse for why they would have that like uh, bright yellow smoke canister on oh, <laughs> on the yeah. thing, which required no explanation. Oh, loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of added a little little bit of weight to the the Empire, well, First Order, Final Order, yeah. whatever showing up yeah. there. Like now there's a ton of civilians that are in danger whereas before like any other normal time it would be kind of empty so there was a it added a little bit of tension to that but not a ton mm. yeah not not my favorite oh i thought it was great i i, I really like the art a lot and yeah i, I agree with I you too on, on i like the alien design and like the yeah the, the seeing the kids kind of at some yeah, sort of a performance great. laughing that was you know the little slice of life things about star Wars, I think have been kind of missing from yeah. the new trilogy. And I thought that was yeah. kind of a great look at here's how people do go about their lives. Mm-hmm. One thing that's also fun is I've heard that like this festival is like 42 years after the, the release of a new yes. hope or something yeah. like that. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> um, but I, I like that scene because um, I thought it was really well put together. Uh, and also it's one of those times where they're not just telling you what's happening. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because, again, there's so much exposition in this movie to to a to a fault, I would say. But uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're seeing, Tim, but it definitely it definitely had prequel flair for sure. No problem. No question. Especially about the little group dance number. Misa liking that. So, yeah, most of my like problems with it, I've already kind of covered with kind of the big structural things. It's mostly questions than pro- more than problems. But. I, I do have a couple little issues um, in the very beginning or toward the very beginning when they find out like they translate the or decode the, the message from the spy. They say that after however many hours, there's going to be an attack on all three planets and what three planets are they even talking about? And I wonder if that's an editing problem. Like there was no, no, some it, explanation I don't think it was of that. all three. It was all three planets. Like all, oh, all the free yeah, planets, free, all the planets right. that are not under, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I watched that twice order. and heard it wrong both times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat> all three planets in the entire galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then, like, uh, I, I was trying to think, like, at the very end, you only see three kind of randomly selected planets for the celebration oh, yeah. across the galaxy. Yeah, and I was yeah. thinking, are those the three? Like, why Bespin, Jakku, and uh, Endor? What the hell? Okay. That makes a lot more sense that I just misheard it. Okay. <laughs> Mm. okay okay i have a nit that i can't believe i forgot um once again we got a planet killing weapon in star wars i know that was and it was that was literally what i was about to say and like as soon as like i saw the big cannon on the star destroyer and it was starting to take aim at a planet i was just like don't do it like don't do it just like just destroy the city but not the planet don't destroy the planet oh god damn it they're (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know that was like this I, never works guys it question, never works question question yes why didn't they just inst- you know jj wanted to do this so why didn't they just go full the way they wanted to go and just make and a death star just make a thousand death stars in the sky like you wanted to do it just do it yeah position a death star outside every right. planet don't make it a thousand you- 
Yeah. Don't make it a thousand Star Destroyers with extra Duracell <laughs> batteries or something. It just makes no sense, right? You, What's that uh, asteroid belt? That's no asteroid belt. That's a thousand Death Stars. I know. I know. It's so crazy. And it's like they're admitting like and they and, and they just got the greatest battery tech on those things. Just so good. Like, you know, the Death Stars, <laughs> it takes them like 80 years to charge up. But the Star Destroyer is like, pew, let's go. I, yeah. <laughs> They're just like, it's so good. That must have been what the Emperor was doing. And where doing. did they get He's the resources to, like, build all this stuff without drawing attention? Because that was a huge fleet. Yeah. Clearly the best. The Emperor is a battery genius. He's an energy genius. And he's also just the best at logistics and making use <laughs> of resources. Seriously, that's his real force power. I know. His real dual, force like, power. Manage a is, project this large for this can, long which without no one knows anybody about. knowing. I know. it's the be- He's so good at it. You know, you'd think you'd have to mine out entire planets and enslave people. No, no, he just does it <laughs> under Cloak of Darkness. He's that good. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is the actual, this is the Palpatine saga. I mean, really, I mean, you think about it. It starts with him and it ends with him. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Honestly, like I, they say the prequels are the story of Anakin's rise and fall to the dark side, but I've always kind of viewed them as about Palpatine taking over because that's more interesting. That's the most interesting part of the prequels. And that's the part that I love. So yeah, I'm kind of fine with thinking about it as the Palpatine saga. Instead of the Skywalker <laughs> Might as saga. well be with how they ended it. <laughs> it kind of I, is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> like, you know, there's barely a Skywalker in the last movie and he's a villain. Mm-hmm. You know, the living Skywalker in the last movie is a villain for most of the story. <laughs> so, yeah it's it's almost more of a palpatine story than it is a skywalker story yeah and and i think the last person standing is a palpatine (laughs) (laughs) right i think if we all scored palpatine you know sheev or whatever on uh, on how well he did uh real good (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) real effective more of the most effectivest person in all of star wars you know yeah everybody else has no clue what they're doing but old sheev here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's that's why he's yeah. not gone because everybody clearly, else is just playing catch up to him <laughs> i know that's why he's not gone he's that good he's just he's calling 50 other times he's got he's the thing is is he's actually got his thousands death stars in a totally different aspect of space so <laughs> probably and kind of along the same lines like i love the scene where the star destroyers all rise from what it looks like underground but why why were they underground <laughs> Right, because when you're in a hidden aspect of space, you're in that hidden space, you need to hide them in the hidden space. <laughs> right. So they don't. Right. So if someone finds hidden space, they don't find the hidden well, you Star see, Destroyers in the hidden space. In addition space. to being a mastermind, Palpatine's also a bit of a showman, you know? Oh, he absolutely so He's like, is. you know, I yes. can't just have this fleet hanging out on the edges of the known universe. No, no. We've got to have them ready for that moment. <laughs> So when somebody finally gets here, we can be like, rise. Oh, it's so (laughs) cool. It's so cool. I love that. Hey, you you remember when Kylo Ren is at the beginning of the movie? And by the way, I love this beginning of the movie. I love it. Or Kylo Ren's like hunting down the emperor. I'm like, holy, Mm -hmm. like that that was badass. It was so badass. And then the emperor's like, you got to join me. And he's like, no, screw you, monster masher. I'm going to kill you, right? (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, I've got a really big army rise. And then the Death Stars come up, but no one, like, Kylo doesn't see him. Like, who's he showing off to? 
It's awesome. He's just he's such a showboat. Oh man, this this guy, he is such a showboat. He's like, listen, I've been doing this for thousands of years. I just need to show somebody, even if it's it's nobody. It's awesome. I love you, Palpatine. Hearts. It kind of like felt very necromancer. Oh, well. totally. Like yeah. raising the dead. Oh, totally. Kind of raising the dead empire. Yes. It was it was a it was a great effect, but I did wonder like why the hell are those underground? Totally. <laughs> well, it's in the beginning okay. of the of the crawl, he's like the dead speak, which was crazy. Yeah. I think that crawl yeah. it sounded like um when I was reading it, I turned to my wife and I'm like, it's like a fan fiction. Someone wrote this. It's crazy. It's so weird, but I love it. It's so cool. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. So yeah. when they're in the like Sith temple where Palpatine is and there's the throne room and there's like all these like shadowy people figure things like up yeah. in the stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we think those are real people or are those I like Sith ghosts? They are apparently the Sith acolytes. They're they're apparently like living actual people who have oh. kind of been Because there's helping. like a shit ton of them. Oh yeah. Yeah, there are. Like right. have they, is there like an entire society on this planet that's just been like seeped in the Sith religion like this whole time? <laughs> From what the uh, what, what I read, a couple pages of the visual dictionary that people had posted. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm remembering this right, there are people from all over the galaxy who have kind of been entrusted to help out with. Well, he'd need a couple people to help build. You would have to the yeah. ridiculous Star Destroyer army, or and whatever. I mean, you figure given how expansive the Empire was and how powerful the Emperor was at his peak, like he definitely has some, like you know. Sith acolytes or something like that who oh, can yeah. help him, you know, rebuild his body and and all that shit, you know. Apparently, but, um, they're all level zeros because none of them did of them, anything. But apparently, they're just yeah. like like peons or peasants or something because mm-hmm. they didn't do jack squat to help him. Like yeah. she's all doing her like reflection back, and they're all just like, huh. Well, this is happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like they're there. It's it's it's. Uh, They'd be like, hey, guys, you want to help the boss? And they're like, nah, he's got this, y'all. He's had that. He's got it. Whoa. Well, see, maybe that's like a stadium. And so they're like, oh, you know, uh, bummer. The home team's losing. But it's not like they're going to rush the stage or anything. They didn't you know? want to spill their popcorn. They had, exactly. they had a lot of popcorn to finish. Or maybe they're like, well, listen, there's like 50 clones of this guy. You killed him. You didn't do anything. They're just, they just don't care. They're just like, eh, we know. This guy's we're going to. He's back. He's not even gone. He's not even. No one's really ever gone, right? And you gotta wonder, like, if if Lucasfilm can't keep any secrets and uh, John Boyega like leaves scripts hanging out in hotel rooms, then how did they manage to keep all those like fifty thousand Sith acolytes from saying anything? Like, nobody knew any of this. He runs a tight ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really apparently not that tight because he he gives away his plan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right away it's like he he's like he's like almost awesome right he's like well i'm gonna you know build up this entire army and no one knows about it but just that last little detail it's <laughs> <laughs> great love you Emperor. uh got two more first off like i i feel like hux just keeps getting kind of shit on like he was a little menacing and afford the force awakens way less so in the last jedi and then this one like he was just so unimportant i mean he was important to the plot but he had like a total of 45 seconds (laughs) yeah yeah which was kind of a fitting end to the character but i would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him working with like as the spy and maybe they would have if they had more time like they were this was a very full movie that maybe they just ran out of time for some of this stuff 
And speaking of which, why would they bring in uh, Finn being force sensitive for like no plot reason whatsoever and then just never do anything with it? For the new show that's going to be on Disney Plus called Lando and Me plus Friends. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, yeah. He's, Although he's, John he's, Boyega has said, like, I'm not going to be Disney Plus. Like, he doesn't want to be on a Disney Plus show. Oh, he doesn't? No. Oh. Well, dude, get that check, bro. Get the check, I know, buddy. I know. Get it. No, I, I thought it was them just setting up like like when that woman, you know, looks at uh, I, I forget what her character name is, the one that rode the space warthogs or whatever on the space uh, star destroyer or whatever. And she's like, man, I don't know who my parents are, where I come from. And then it was let's go find it out. It was weird yeah. when Lando looked at the screens like and that'll be on Disney Plus later, y'all. <laughs> so was he like the- what was the tone of that? Was he like hitting on her or what? Right. <laughs> so he's, he's just Lando and he's smooth all the time uh, and he can't help but sound like that. Apparently there were plot threads in the original cut of this movie where he's actually her dad. And, you know, the, the, the oh, Emperor really? take, okay. the Empire take, okay. took her away or something. And well, then I they mean, cut it out. This is Lando we're talking about. He probably has children all over the universe. <laughs> I mean, oh, the yeah. chances that a yes. few of them got picked up by the First Order are pretty high because yeah. of just how many there <laughs> probably are. Yeah, so I don't think that was Lando being like, let's get it. Yeah, capes time. No, I, I think it was uh, just originally a different plot thing. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to the new Disney Plus show where they explain it all. All right, before we finish things up, let's uh, talk about a few things that we did like. So, um, Tim, you want to start us off? All right. I I mean, obviously, I love C-3PO just in general, but he was oh God, especially great in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Just I, I swear he stole every scene he was in this one time. He felt kind of like, you know, like a background character in the last two. But in this one, I I loved how much more attention he got and how much, you know, he meant to the story and again yeah just every scene he was in was fantastic babu frick he's one of my oldest friends <laughs> yeah that was fun yeah and and babu frick was really funny like that was a a cool little character yeah. you know just i loved him stuff like that is one of the reasons i really love star wars just these like little like the creature effects are just so good and the alien designs are so you know unique and i mean you know obviously they all have kind of a bipedal human appearance for the most part although there are exceptions but neither do they look entirely human like it's just i love that world building aspect of star wars and how like no matter how much you learn and research and study about this like this universe there's just more like there's always more so that's kind of cool so i kind of didn't want a redemption arc for ben but the one that we got i'm actually pretty happy with i i really liked the way it turned out um shortly after the movie i was talking about it with my wife and she was a little sad that ben you know after he finally got his redemption arc that he you know for the first time she felt like she was really rooting for him and then he's gone but um i kind of countered that with at this point he's done so much you know, that he's never going to be able to have like 
a normal life out in the rest of the galaxy just because everybody's going to hate him. So this kind of let him go out on a high point. He he got his redemption arc. He sort of became the hero. And then he got it to just kind of, you know, go away peacefully, knowing that he did something good, not having to, you know, not having to live with the consequences of his years as the supreme leader. <laughs> yeah, you know, if he went back to society, he would end up in some sort of a exactly yeah star wars equivalent of the hague for all of his war crimes absolutely (laughs) yeah so this was this was the best option for him (laughs) and i think we can all agree that criminals should not pay for their crimes especially if they're war criminals thanks star wars (laughs) plus he all this time he kind of wanted to be like vader and yet his story arc pretty much turned out to be exactly like vader and he didn't have to pay for any of his crimes, just exactly. like Grandpappy. Thanks, Grandpappy, for setting up the easy way out. Bye! <laughs> just gotta get that good old redemption arc at the last minute and then become a force ghost. <laughs> for three minutes, I said I'm sorry. Bye! All right. Um, What did you guys think about ending on Tatooine? I know that's... Maybe not everybody's favorite part, but I actually kind of thought it was a nice place to end the series. She goes back to the original, you know, location. She buries Luke and Leia's lightsabers there. It's revealed that she built her own. And then, you know, basically just ends the series there. I I think that was a good place to kind of to call it. I think it was. And, you know, maybe not in terms of the logic of her doing that. But the thematic aspect of it, like it was, it ended where the saga started on Tatooine. But at the same time, with her kind of sliding down the hill on the whatever piece of wreckage Mm -hmm. she had there while her theme was playing in the background, it started, it ended where the sequel trilogy started as well. So it was kind of a thematic conclusion to both at the same time. And her lightsaber was badass too, by the way. <laughs> Clearly built for out of her staff too, which was a nice touch. Yeah. Yep. All right. I, I know he wasn't in there for very much, and it was just to get a cameo because he got the short end of the stick on the other two series, but I love Billy D. Williams. I'm glad he got to come back and you know, at least Me for too. a little bit. Just even if it's just for that scene of him and Chewie in the Millennium Falcon flying it around. Like, that was worth it. That was great. All right, John, how about you? Uh, There's a lot about the movie I liked. You know, when we were even going over nits, I said I liked aspects of it. So, uh, yeah, I I think the strongest part of the movie for me was when Han Solo came and visited his son, Ben. I thought that Mm, was so powerful. I think that and, and, and in a way that. It's 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 it, it again. This is why the movie's so challenging for me because that should have been Carrie Fisher <laughs> there. You know what I mean? But through Carrie Fisher not being there, you could actually tie it back to the Force Awakens and redo that scene again in a way that was beautiful. You know, because I don't think they would have done that. I think that Harrison Ford agreed to do it because Carrie was gone and they needed to. You know, they needed to have a scene like that in the movie. Um, so it, and Ray says early on, like, I can see through the cracks in your mask. Like you keep reliving the memory of killing your father. And then, yeah, he comes back. It is the memory of that yeah, she's talking it's about. Amazing. There. Just it's a, changed. It's 
it was so well it's amazing so if that was a response to carrie like it was it was a great it was just beautiful absolutely beautiful but then then they then they immediately go to luke and ray and he comes back and it sort of undercuts it a little bit so again like i i just need to spend more time with the movie but i thought that was beautiful i thought it was absolutely beautiful i wish carrie had something as moving for me in this movie now i I think that she was really well used, but, um, you know, for what they had, but I just thought that was just so powerful for me. Um, this one really cool scene. This is, I don't even know. It's just, a, it was just a weird scene, but like in the beginning, Bulio sticks his head out and they're like, and then they're, you know, trying to upload something to R2D2. I can't remember what, what were they doing with R2D2 in the beginning where they were like, it was the message something. from the spy. The message from yeah. the spy, right. The message. And then, and then Bulio's that guy with the weird horns out of his head, and they're like, sorry, Bulio. And he's like, that's okay, just win the war. I thought that was cool. And then, and a couple scenes later, Kylo Ren cuts his flipping head off and throws Bulio's out on a table. Yeah. And I'm just like, whoa. I don't know. I just thought that was really neat. Not. It's just like, Kylo Ren, just, he is a nasty guy. He should be up for war. Who should be up for war crimes, by the way? Um, <laughs> totally. That's not a joke. He, he should be. Um, I, as much as you guys didn't like the kiss, I'm going to say that I appreciated Kylo Ren and Ray's continued relationship in this movie. Some people say that this movie wipes out everything in The Last Jedi. Well, I actually don't think it does. In fact, I think something that Last Jedi set up really well was the relationship between Kylo and Rey. No, I yeah, definitely, definitely think um, the relationship between Kylo and Rey is probably the strongest aspect of this trilogy. Yeah, and she's yeah, clearly hot for his waist-high pants in The Last Jedi. And again, I don't know how <laughs> people can hate jeans. everything about The Last Jedi when it has stuff like that in there, but whatever. And then in this movie, she's like... I would have taken your hand if it was Ben, mm-hmm. but not Kylo. Yeah. And you can't help but think that that's like some sort of marriage analogy, which was really sweet. But it was like she gave what she was saying in that moment. Like, I would have taken Ben's hand, not Kylo's. It's like it's like a kid was saying that, you know, it's like this like very childlike way of looking at love and early relationships. And I, I wish there was a movie and maybe this is this aspect of why the Skywalker is so cool. Like this movie's so good, actually, Rise of Skywalker, is that they don't give you the thing that you want, which is what Ryan Johnson didn't give you. <laughs> also, which is I thought the last shot it was good. Which is I want to see the relationship. I want to see it, but you really don't. You just get a kiss and then it's over. Um, I actually think that's good. And I know that it was kind of goofy and some people laugh, but I think in a lot of ways it was good because it's not giving you what you want. It's like saying, well, here's the thing. And then, bam, he immediately ghosts her. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of so it's like a fun ghost, you know, like ghosting, you know, relationship thing for like now. But like, that's kind of funny. But like, in a way, it's it's kind of sweet. And it's it's kind of what Star Wars is, which is you're never, I guess. But I'll be honest with you, though. I'd like to see a Star Wars movie where we get a really good relationship, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where it's not based on like Space Hitler liking someone who's not Space Hitler. But but I but I thought that was really sweet. I thought that was really, really cool and worked really well. Um, now, for the record, I didn't really mind the kiss that much. I thought it would have been better if they had hugged or something. I didn't mind the kiss, though. 
but it was just the execution of the scene that made yeah. it lose all of its impact. So sure. that, that was that was the bad part for yeah, me. Totally. I didn't mind that they kissed. And I will sure. say that it was a hell of a lot more earned than the kiss between Finn and Rose in the last one. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I mostly agree, but I've had a lot. Again, that's why I want to watch the Skywalker a bunch. We have a lot more time to sit with The Last Jedi, but I agree. I, I don't know if. I actually would say Skywalker's kiss is a little bit more earned. Sorry, Johnson. I love The Last Jedi, but I, I, I think this one probably was. Um. You had, you, had, you had two movies to, to, to work that out, I think. Um, what else did I like about this movie? Um, oh, so <laughs> this is fun. So Travis and I talk a little bit and uh, over text. And so the uh, Skywalker, the, the soundtrack for Rise of Skywalker came out and it was on Spotify first. You, and um, we're listening to it. And immediately right away in the second or in the first track after the dun 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 and then they you know they do it down it's all this like really somber music and immediately i hear the emperor's theme and i'm like what the fuck this is in track one so i immediately text travis i'm like travis i can't listen to this soundtrack because there are fucking spoilers in it <laughs> right away there, there's like this theme that plays and i didn't want to tell yeah. him what it was because maybe he didn't notice or whatever because i didn't want to spoil it for him but i was right like I heard that because I watched it right before and bam, right away in the movie, they do it. But I guess all that to say is um, this soundtrack is incredible. John Williams went out with an A++++. I I listened to it. And if there is anything I can say with clarity is John Williams is a genius. And this score is superb. It is really good. Um, it plays the hits. I think that's my, another critique. I don't even know if this is bad, but like he, a lot of those themes are coming back. You know what I mean? It plays the hits, but it's so good. And what a beautiful way to end it. I, I have the, the physical album coming and I, and I own it. I'm listening to it, you know, um, digitally or whatever. It's superb. So that's another thing I like, like, and also John Williams cameo was cool. That yeah, was so cool. It was so good to see him, you know, be in the movie. Um, that was so neat. But wow, that score is superb. I just I just really, really enjoyed that a lot. And. I will also say that getting more from Leia as a Jedi, like there was, again, another critique of The Last Jedi is Luke didn't really train uh, Ray in a way that was really um, satisfying for fans. And in this movie, Leia's training Ray and that is just some really cool stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think any of it is any particularly new or fresh or whatever. It's pretty much just kind of like you know, like a sped up version of uh, uh, Empire, but maybe not as interesting perhaps for me. But like, you know, it's kind of cool to see Ray sitting in, you know, in the in the air with all these (laughs) boulders flying around her. You know what I mean? That's kind of cool. It's kind of neat. And then they bring back blast shields for whatever reason. I I don't know, but clearly just like, wow, hey, remember blast shields or whatever. But it's fun to see her be trained and Honestly, could have wished for more than that. And I think and this is the thing that I like, too, is I hope that there's a three hour version in this movie that J.J. maybe wants to cut. You know what I, I mean? I do, too. Because, yeah, um, I kind of thought that maybe they could have done uh, like they could have done two movies. That would have been kind of neat. Uh, or they could have just made it three hours because I think that there's so much here that I would have loved to have seen been taken a little bit more time, you know? Um, I know that Star Wars has to fit into this three movie thing, but just do two. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or make it real long. I would have been fine with that. Um, 
maybe maybe you could have done a little less exposition, but but they th- th- what they did was fine, I guess. Uh, that that's not even a nit. I, I think that's something that I would have liked. So a longer cut, JJ. I would love that. I would love to see your director's cut. Uh, release the JJ director's cut. <laughs> Hashtag. So while I said that um, his inclusion in the series in the in the Rise of Skywalker is kind of problematic because now what does that mean for Return of the Jedi? I feel like. Ian McDiarmid's performance as the emperor is the best part of this movie. Like it was so kind of end of the of revenge of the Sith through the entire movie for me. Like he was just so cheesy and over the top and he was better than that. that I think it's better than revenge of the Sith, honestly. Oh, it is is better, but this was the best emperor. (laughs) He was so good. 100%. The emperor was born to be a zombie. (laughs) Apparently so. Yeah. But yeah, like, I felt like the I was hoping for a little bit of prequel cheese from the emperor and I definitely got it with like right off off the bat. Everything about him was so cheesy and over the top and perfect, perfect for that character. Another thing that I really liked and this kind of fits as something that I like Anna Nitt to pick is that we got to see the Knights of Ren in action after kind of getting the tease in the Force of Force Awakens and then not hearing anything about them at all in The Last Jedi. It was cool to kind of see them. Um, the fight with them and Kylo at the end was was pretty great. But the nit that I would have to pick with that, I guess, is that for the most part, like whenever you see them in the movie, it just looks like they're recording a metal music video or something. <laughs> like they're just standing around doing nothing. You, uh, I love having them in this film. They're walking ominously towards you, something. Right. It's so and true. And then they don't do anything. I loved having them in this movie. I thought it was really cool, but you could have replaced them with stormtroopers. It would have made no difference. Mm-hmm. Nope. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they didn't serve any narrative purpose. There's apparently a comic book that's going into more details, which I haven't read. Disney yet, plus but. show y'all. <laughs> By the way, when I make jokes about Disney Plus shows, I, that's like tongue in cheek. I actually would be fine with all of the shows I'm pitching right now. I think yes. that would be fine. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, if they had like a, you know, like an eight episode Knights of Ren show, just like a one and done season, like that would be kind of cool. Yeah. What we did during The Last Jedi or something. I don't know. So one thing that I loved is that when you see Ray healing Ben, after she stabs him in the chest with the lightsaber, uh, you see the scar fade away from his face as well. And this is also the point when he switches from being Kylo to Ben. So it's like she healed his chest and his face and his soul kind of all at the same time. It's such a, a thematic turning point. I thought that that scene was great. And it leads straight into the scene with him speaking with his father again. That that whole sequence was amazing for me, just from from a standpoint of what it meant to everything and Babu Frick, man, Babu cracked me up. I kind of want to see, I would watch a two hour movie of him reading droid maintenance manuals. I think like, Oh man, he was hilarious. Babu Frick coming soon to (laughs) Disney plus. (laughs) The force will be with you. Always. All right, so this one might be a tough one to review. So, uh, Tim, what's your ghost scale review? You know, if you've stuck with Star Wars for the previous eight episodes, there's no reason for you to not watch this one and see how it all comes to an end. 
Parts of it are going to be satisfying. Parts of it might make you, you know, scratch your head a little bit. Some parts work better than others. But overall, you know, it's a pretty decent conclusion to this mess of trilogies that have kind of come before. Overall, I would say it's a must watch. All right, John. In today's hot take culture, you got to always be able to sum it up. And I'm, I'm going to have to set this out. I don't have a review for this. I'm going to have a re- I, I'll promise everyone that when we come back for our Blu-ray review. I will have one. I don't have a lot more firm thoughts on the movie. Um, uh, there, are, as you've heard, there are things I like there. There, there, you know what I mean? They're nits, obviously. And that this was a challenging movie for me. It really was. I. I'm still thinking about it. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I will say that um, when I first saw The Phantom Menace, I wasn't really down with it. And then as I recontextualized that film as a dad, watching it with my son. And then and it became have, your favorite one in the series. <laughs> guys, It's all I've always thought <laughs> that it's the best prequel. I'm always going to stick by that because it's so true. I just hashtag... The best prequel. But um, I actually think it's a sweet movie. And and I just saw it the other day with my son I, because he wanted to watch Star Wars. And he's like, Dad, I want to watch the Darth Vader Star Wars. Of course, it's Empire, right? Because it's the you know, on Disney Plus. It's the one with his, you know, Darth Vader mask. And I'm like, nobody, let's let's not. It's a little scary. Let's watch. It's a little scary. Let's watch the Phantom Menace. And, and it was fine. It was great. I loved it. Um, And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. But uh I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to recontextualize it for me. Like I said, at the very top for me, Star Wars is a personal thing. It's always been for me. And I and I think that's why I didn't want to record this episode, because I honestly would rather have just processed Star Wars by myself. (laughs) Rocking back and forth as I cry myself in a fetal position or something. I don't know. But like, and that's kind of what I'm going to I'm going to think about. And I'm going to come back to you all. And sorry, sorry, I don't have one. Um. But I don't have to tell you anything whether or not you're going to see it or not. So sorry, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah, I said it up front that it's kind of a hard movie to write. And I think it is because you kind of have to think about it in a lot of different ways. You know, as a movie itself, as a Star Wars movie, as the end of the sequel trilogy and as the end of the saga. And I'm not sure where it fits in on some of those. But um, I will say that I think that out of all five of the new Disney movies, this was the one that kept me engrossed the most. I don't think it's going to be, end up being my favorite one of the bunch, but just in terms of the entertainment value, I was just there for it the whole time. And I had a smile on my face and that says a lot. So I'm, I'm going to give it a must watch. I've seen it twice. Uh, my, my interest in it didn't go down the second time. Uh, so that's, Looking forward to seeing it a few more times before it gets out of theaters, but I can't wait to tear into some of these special features, and hopefully there's some deleted scenes that expand things out a little bit more, like one of you said earlier. But yeah, I'm giving it a must-watch. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening. <laughs>